You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Morning, welcome to the show. Tuesday, March the 1st. Not massively spring-like here in TW11. Just walked the dog before starting out this morning and it was absolutely um, larraping down. So uh, a little damp and maybe that'll be in the favour of Protectorat at the Cheltenham Festival. He was very much the star of the show at Dan Skelton's press day yesterday, after which I had the opportunity to catch up with the trainer about how excited his whole team were to have a, a British challenger that might yet push back the might of the Irish in the biggest event of all at the biggest event of all. It's obviously it's the marquee event of four fantastic days and to be a competitor, not just to be a competitor, to be a but to be a potential player, you know, gives everybody a big boost because it's ultimately what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to achieve going to these big bases with a chance. Uh, and not all of them can be even money in, in in graded races. You know that's not the real world. So to actually go there with a chance with one is 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 a good feeling, and everybody recognises. You know, they 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 watch they watch the racing. They you know they know the result. They know what their horses and everyone else's horses in the yard are doing. So you know to have him there is um, almost leading the charge, if you like, is uh, is a big thing and. I hadn't really realised what a big thing it was until this week. Well, last week, I suppose, when everybody's been sort of saying to me, oh, isn't it great to have a leading chance for a Gold Cup? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, it is. But the competitor in me going, it's nice to have a com- nice to have a, a competitor, but it's about winning. <laughs> um, and do you, do you think he's got a good chance? In your heart of hearts, do you think he's a he's classy enough to win the, win the Gold Cup? Yes, 100%, I do. Uh, he won a grade one over two and a half miles and he came up just short over an inadequate trip, inadequately slow ground in the Paddy Power and he's had one go at three miles and it looked like he would go further in pretty slow ground and I think, yes, he, he is a big player. Yeah, I think that I think that's an important thing to remember. This is a very open year. It's not a bad year. I think quite opposite. I think it's a good year because there's a heap of horses in there who can win at the highest level over three miles, and that actually strengthens the race rather than negates it, in my opinion. So it's an open but high quality goal cup. And when he won at Aintree, the ground was really, really soft and, and sort of unusually testing, and he completely demolished his field. Now, they may have been significant inferiors, but to what extent is is soft ground crucial to, to giving him an edge? I think you've picked up on the right angle there. I think to give him, to, to start getting into advantageous territory, the softer the better. But I don't think good to soft, you know, I don't think good to soft negates his chances. Um, but obviously the slower it gets, his chances are increased by him handling it and others perhaps not quite as much. And he seems to have the right profile in terms of being at the right end of his career. The, the Gold Cup is often won by horses who are, are, are on the up rather than horses that have been there and, and, and done it already. Do you have a theory as to why that might be? It, it, yeah, I mean, it's it, 
the longer you the longer you race at this level, um, especially over a distance, the more it takes out of horses. Simple as that. And if you are at the start of your career, then you've got more. You, you know, technically, you've got more to give. Now, I'm not saying that horses that win this as as uh, you, you know in double digit ages and you know it's not po- it's not possible of course it's possible but you've pointed out that it, it it does seem to go the way of the 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 younger more progressive horses and and in answer to that that's why i feel why that that might be the case um you know you'll say there's no substitute for experience and he hasn't got that at this level that much but he's a you know he in his head he's a horse that won't be phased by it all um, he's been around the track before. He's he's won around the track before. Yeah, I don't feel that. I don't feel any negative to that. The trip is unknown, of course. You don't know you get the Gold Cup trip until you've done it, and you know the likes of Floyd Pearl and One Man have proven that. Um, but I, I, I'm as confident as I can be without seeing it with my own eyes. I'm pretty sure he'll stay. And in terms of the the squad, how big is it likely to be for for Cheltenham? You must have a fair idea now of how many horses you're going to run. And um, last year, yeah, I know you'd have probably swapped all those good runs for one win and a, a load of horses that didn't run so well. But they virtually all ran really, really well. Yeah, they did. They ran they ran creditably, and obviously, I wasn't the only person getting themselves kicked all around Presby Park by the Irish. But I think this year is stronger. It's deeper. And I think we're going to have, I think we're going to have twelve runners, and and actually twelve that should be there. We prefer that number to be twenty, of course. But you know, when it gets, you know, one day if it gets to twenty, I'll be hoping it one day gets to twenty-five. But that's just the nature. But I'm really happy with the number that we've got going and and the chances of us. Your, I mentioned your um, your assistant Tom Messenger, who who won the Godolphin Stud and Stable Staff Award for for leadership last week. Uh, what sort of pride did you take in that? Oh, I love seeing our horses, our staff, our team. You know, it's very important to me that you know people outside of me get the recognition or a fraction of the recognition that they deserve. And Tom is a selfless worker. He's got a young family who. He, oh, he definitely put them second. I'm not saying that, but he is so committed to us. You know, I have to tell him to have a day off. Um, and I, you know, I'd lost without my whole team. Um, and he, he needs them. So I, I feel very proud of him. And you know, any, all, all, as far as I'm concerned, all. All the staff deserve an award. Um, they try so hard. They do so much. They understand it. They 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 have passion. Uh, you know, they work the hours. They work in the conditions. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the weather conditions that they work in sometimes. And you know, it, it does. It, it it feels when you go racing and you've got them there leading up the horses, helping you tack them up, driving them to the races. It doesn't feel like. It doesn't feel like it's you leading the team and they're working for you. You know, it feels like you're all in it together. Um, and I hope I promote that with the staff as well. I hope they know that I feel that way about them. They're not there doing a job. They're there on the team. Um, so it's great. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a good man, Tom, as you well know. Uh, Dan Skelton there, Cornelius Lysett, joins me this morning. Uh, Dan Skelton had a very good Cheltenham, albeit winnerless last year with a lot of his runners. 
Protectorat is a, an intriguing home-trained horse against the might of the Irish Challenge, Cornelius. Just looking at the betting here, Aplutar, Dalvin, Manella Indo, Album Photo, Conflated, Tornado Flyer, they're all at the top of the betting uh, for the Gold Cup, the, the Boodles Gold Cup, but with Protectorat in their Enchantry house uh, just behind. And um, as has been discussed, the Henderson team still very... Uh, very strong on the prospects of Chantry House, but uh, unsurprising to hear Dan being uh, pretty bullish about Protectorat. I, I just like it when, you know, clearly he's had a campaign, a strategy in his mind, Dan Skelton. And this is one of the most intelligent trainers, not just in Britain and Ireland, but but in the world. You know, big, big thinker, big planner, always looking ahead. And, you know, he hasn't run the the, the horse since he beat Native River by a wide margin at Aintree in, in December. So he has got his theories about, uh, about uh, everything in terms of trying to win the Gold Cup. And one of those is clearly to try and keep this horse fresh and 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 for many people i think um for, for many people he's probably you know this big question mark is is he going to be good enough in that in that cauldron of irish brilliance uh but uh, clearly he is a he's a sensible player and um dan himself he's not going to the, the horse is not going to be going there uh, without a, a certain amount of enthusiasm um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. They've got some serious. They've got a serious squad of horses going there. Um, we know that La Bella isn't, but third time lucky. Uh, Chitibello, Nube Negra for the Queen Mother. Chamblou, he's been talking up for the Ryanair. Doctor Panassas uh, for the for the Triumph Hurdle. Um, Bally Griffin Cottage, and then Protectorat as well. So, you know that they. Everyone is sort of assuming that um, that uh, it's going to be that the, the total is going to be not massively different from the twenty-three. Well, sorry, I'll rephrase that. People are talking about the twenty-three-five uh, annihilation by uh, by Ireland of the British in twenty twenty-one. People are saying, "Oh, maybe it's not going to change all that much." But there's an element of managing expectations, keeping feet on the ground, not wanting to t- to tempt providence. Because if you look at a team like that, you, you you'd expect that. Dan Skelton and the team will probably come away with a winner. Mm. Uh, and I think if you look at Paul Nichols' squad, particularly at Nicky Henderson's, but other trainers as well, you know, that there must be reasonable grounds for optimism. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to go back to parity, 14-14, anything like that. But I would have thought it was reasonable to expect better than 23-5. Yeah. Having said all that, having said all that, Britain enters the Eurovision Song Contest each year, hoping not to get nil points this time. So, um, and, and we all know it is difficult to, to claw your way back. Well, until the last week or so, you'd have said, bring on Venetia Williams and give her as many good horses as possible because the way they're running, she will put up a challenge to, to the Irish, particularly with the likes of Lompresse, maybe Funambul Sivilla, etc. But at the moment, her biggest task is to keep them away from what she describes as a run of snotty noses in the yard. She's actually... Uh, seen evidence of of some sort of a virus, which is a little bit of a worry. And of course, her team captain, if you like, is going to run against Protector at Royal Pagai, and he'd have a a chance of sorts if if the rain kept falling. Uh, Just looking at the numbers, so the last seven days, she's had one winner from 13 runners uh, in in Britain, and um, that was an odds-on favourite at Warwick at the end of last week. Uh, if you look at the, um, you know, the, the the period from which she really, she and Charlie Deutsch, that combination has become so formidable. December, 14 winners from 59 runners. That's 24% strike rate. January, 14 from 52, 27% strike rate. And actually, to be fair, 
uh, up until uh, the sort of two thirds of the way through February going really well, 15 from 68. So that was 22 percent. But obviously uh, some concern. Um, she's got uh, it's reported in the Daily Mail today that Lom Presse, she's she's 50 50, she tells Marcus Townend in the Daily Mail today about whether Lompresse should go for the Brown Advisory uh, or for the uh, for the Turner's uh, race, uh, Turner's novices chase. Um, she says, uh, she tells the Daily Mail today, you know, it's an extra, I think she says three and three quarter furlongs for the uh, the Brown Advisory. Uh, would the horse that won the Dipper chase have lasted another three and three quarter furlongs? And she believes he- Yes, it, it would have done. So uh, not absolutely certain about the target for Lompresse. But if you if you look at her leading contenders, um, you've got Brave Siaska, who's not a complete no-hoper in the Arkle. You've got Royal Pagai um, in the um, in the Gold Cup, who uh, will which will have a certain amount of support. And um, uh, for the Ryanair, I'm a big fan of Fanny and Destraval uh, as well. So uh, and a number of uh, but but plenty of horses during the week as she tries to improve on six Cheltenham Festival. Uh, winners over the years and interestingly she, she, they've all been handicapped uh, she's won the plate race the paddy what's now the paddy plough plate uh, on uh, three occasions um, but um, yeah slight concern that it's not just you know with the Nichols team when people have been querying the form and uh, uh, that it's generally been others looking in and saying look Paul you haven't had you know and he said well look I'm not worried but actually on this occasion it was probably Venetia Williams herself that uh, that raised the concerns about the form of the string yeah. practically before anyone else noticed yeah and the fact that she's actually so it's actually manifest in a physical symptom unlike unlike the case at, at Nichols is uh, Venetia of course what do you think about long press a shorter or longer um i i would stick to, i would stick to what you know he's won a grade one mm. at two and a half miles even though it was a thin race it wasn't you know it wasn't that bad a race pictori came out and, and won the other day and he was absolutely crashed out of sight um so I, I would stick to what you know the point is if he goes up to three miles he's taking on really good proven strong stayers you know brave man's game three under three five a hoist and you're on that's before you've even started with all the irish that nobody's considering for that race so I know yeah, you've yeah. got to take on Galapande, Sean, Bob Ollinger, but I don't think it's necessarily that much easier going up in distance. He's not a guaranteed to be effective over 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 further. I would stick to And he's such a pro, isn't he? What I love about him, he's he's such a pro. Such a, he's such a slick jumper. And and I know yeah. Galapande Sean's spectacular over his fences, but maybe he was a bit too spectacular a couple of times at Leopardstown and he was expending quite a lot of energy. He's quite a flamboyant horse. I I'd I'd stick to what you know with Lompresse and and let the others do their thing over further. Okay, you've had a look at the written reasons for the Asheen Murphy ban, which we debated pretty extensively last week on the podcast. I don't really want to spend too much more time on this, Cornelius. I kind of think we're done with it. But was there anything in the reasons which sort of underlined why the panel had gone quite quite tough? Yeah, um, yeah, not a lot of extra detail, but a formalisation of the words of the panel chief uh, last week about what is called in this um, these. Um, written reasons, the calculated detailed deception. Um, I, I, I think it's confirmation that there is nothing that lawyers-regulators dislike more than what would be called in a court of law perverting the course of justice, lying really about the trip to Lake Como when he actually went to uh, Mykonos in Greece, which was on the uh, COVID red list, points out that in his social media posts, he even posted one that, so it, it underlines the deception, um, uh, even posted at one point um, uh, a reference to the Italian bulge, a slight gain in weight, points out again that it took some time for Ocean Murphy to uh, 
uh, admit uh, that um, uh, that he had uh, deceived uh, a BHA investigator. Uh, Mr. Murphy's conduct, particularly as to the Mykonos charges, demonstrates his perception at the time he was above the law, uh, above the rules and uh, the law. Um, the panel aligns how hard those times were. If you throw your mind back to September 2020 for British racing, there was racing again post lockdown, but there was a real feeling the pressure was on about the continuation. It was vital, says these uh, re uh, reasoning words. It was vital for the continuance of the sport that there should be compliance of the COVID rules by all. Mr. Murphy uh, did not comply and uh, underlines the, and uh, don't want to go on uh, about the Jockeys Championship, but uh, gave him an advantage in the Jockeys Championship. Now, to, as far as the uh, the penalties uh, were concerned. There has been debate over the length of the ban, 14 months from December 2021, so continues until February 23. Some believe it's been harsh. Taking all matters into account, particularly as to the Mykonos breaches, a sanction significantly above the entry point was required. So the entry point in terms of, uh, of that particular uh, offence uh, was three months. The, the range was one month to three years. The entry point was three months, but they went uh, considerably higher uh, with that particular matter. And uh, just a few final words. Uh, we accept evidence from Mr. Murphy as to his battle with addiction and the efforts he's made thus far to rehabilitate himself. This is an ongoing process. We wish him well as far as that is all concerned, but uh, goes on. All that has to be balanced against the damage he has done to the fabric of horse racing, the damage he's done to the fabric of horse racing, and hence the penalty that was uh, handed out. And it actually says, as far as the alcohol cases were concerned, it could have been worse um, because despite the aggravating features of the excess alcohol cases, we deliberately kept the penalty uh, at the entry point for the alcohol cases. Uh, taking into account the principle of totality. We talked about this in a different context the other day, what the principle of totality meant. So basically, if you lump a whole lot of penalties together, the total cannot be considered um, excessive. So they, they thought it was the right thing to keep keep those down towards the entry point uh, to give a total um, penalty of, of what amounts to 14 months. Well, if you were with us on the show last week, you'll have heard us talking about the Rebel Stakes at uh, Oaklawn Park. And there was a significant upset in one of the, the first sort of meaningful races when we start thinking about the Triple Crown. It was um, created by Un Ojo, who won at 75 to 1. Uh, trainer Ricky Corville joins me now. Um, and the horse is so named because he has Un Ojo, one, one eye. Ricky, um, a lot of people were surprised. I get the feeling you weren't all that surprised. Just, just tell me about your feelings going into the race. Well, I mean, actually, where he was sitting on the inside, I thought he was, you know, if he had a good trip, he had a chance, you know. He actually sat a little closer than we anticipated, but um, actually, I didn't get to watch the race to that night because my, my uh, son called me and the phone froze up, and it was a mess after that with all the phone calls, but... Um, so I actually didn't get to really enjoy it because I was driving back from running another horse in Louisiana, and and it just um, I actually did not get to watch the race till ten o'clock that night once I got home. And so it's 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 always quite nice watching when you know what's happened when when you know what's happened. But even if even if even if you watch even if you watch the replay, you wouldn't be quite quite so sure until they hit the wire. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have I'd have probably had a heart attack watching the race live, not knowing I had win it when I watched it. But uh, my son calls me when they had the half mile pole 
screaming out on the phone we had one and I'm like, Oh my you know, screwed this up. I didn't get to watch you know. <laughs> so but no, he he run a good race. I mean he's always been a tough little horse, you know. So he's got the heart, that's for sure. Uh, has he got a, has he got a little bit more class? Do you think than we've given him credit for? I think so. I mean, he's he's, he's really really well bred horse, and he's bred to go to distance. And he was just a late mature with the one eye. It just took us took him a while to get it, and and you know we ended up gilding him because he was a little you know he was just not going on. He was really five six months in the train, and he was still ducking and diving stuff and starting to get a little testosterone going through him and so we had to end up gilded him when we we backed off of him and might have been a mistake but you never know you know maybe he wouldn't be the horse he was if we kept him a stallion so um but no he's always had talent and my and my son was with him up there and my son broke him and my son's gouged him his whole life and he always kept saying i mean he's a good horse he's a good horse he's just got to get it together you know and you you did something quite unusual with him because obviously he he was yours and you you uh, you brought him along as a young horse but then you sent him up to a different trainer you sent him up to Tony Dutro now what what was the thinking behind that well he he's New York bred so uh the owners Mr uh, Kevin Modi wanted to take him up there for the new there was a New York side race coming up and uh so I sent him to Tony up a couple of weeks before the race and he got beat a neck in that race so we kept him up there cuz he was you know going to run in some of the New York Red races, and then Tony said, "Man, he's, he's getting. I think he's a better horse than what you know. He's getting better. He's just learning, you know." And the stake I run him in, I mean, he wins second time. At, when we took him to Keelan, he wasn't six for a long horse. We just had a bunch of horses running that week, so we took him up and run him and just kind of give him give him one. Uh, I was gonna run him at Delta, but they, it was still another month or two before they opened. So. And, uh, you know, he took in the experience good. He just wasn't a six furlong horse. And then I brought him back home and we run him two turns at Delta. And he just, he run like a good horse that day because he was just half throttled down and went from last to first and married 10 jumps and went easy with my wife on him that day. Um, and then we run him back in the stake and he, we just had two horses in the race and we ended up winning the stake with the other horse. And he had a rail trip that day, but my wife actually would have rode him but being he had the one hole that day and the other horse had the 10 hole, she opted to ride the other horse, which she ended up winning the stake. And uh, uh, on Ojo, just kind of had a troubled trip on the fence the whole way. He'd pass a horse, run up a wall of horses, had to wait, 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 you know, before he can get through. And it was a good learning experience for him because it was the first time he really got dirt in his face and had to work his way through traffic. So that was kind of a schooling race for him to go up to New York and seemed to help him out a lot because when Tony got him there, when he ran in the uh, in the New York Stallion series, he kind of was on the outside and they dropped him in on the inside and he went through traffic and come flying that day and just got beat on that. And then when they run him back in the withers, he was way back too. And he takes the traffic good for having one eye, you know. And and now your wife is is Ashley Broussard, that's right, isn't it? And she's and she's she had an injury recently. How's she getting on? Because she she broke her leg. Is that right? She's still kind of bedridden. She'll get she'll move around and and get to the to the um, you know the recliner and, and um, it, it's uh, kind of having to do everything right now. It's kind of why I didn't go to Oakland. That horse is running here, but I you know I'm still having to take care of her. Mom comes help a lot, uh, and uh, her little boy you know kind of helps when he's not in school, but. 
um, she's getting around. She came to the barn last night when Uno Oil got back, so she wanted to come see him. So we took her out, and you know, hour, a couple hours at the barn, she was starting to hurt again. So when to go home, they had to put a plate and screws. She broke the femur right below the knee, so they had to screw the knee back to the femur bone. So it was a break directly below the knee. So so she'll be out of be out of action for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so how, I mean, clearly it's been a, a pretty challenging time for you all and you're having to, to juggle so many different bulls and get horses racing all around the country and you're looking after Ashley and, and whatever. And you, you, along comes this, this, this horse who's now, I'm guessing, on the, on the Triple Crown Trail, uh, Ricky. W- what do you do now? Yeah, well, uh, right now he's back in Louisiana. We're going to give him a week freshen up and go from there. And uh, he might probably... I mean, he was supposed to go back up for the uh, wood, but I don't know if uh, the owners uh, are going to do that at this point. We don't know yet. We're going to, um, I think they kind of maybe looking at the wood, the um, back up there for the Rebel, because the Rebel's only a little four and a half, five hour trip for him from where we at. I mean, not the Rebel, I mean the Arkansas Derby. And then, or maybe the Bluegrass. Because uh, Cypress Creek Farm is right, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes from Keeneland. So I think, you know, they talked about maybe going there. So everybody at the farm can kind of enjoy the experience, you know, where he grew up. And he got all the employees there that would, you know, probably appreciate going to races and stuff like that to watch him run, you know. So it's kind of up in there right now. Uh, have you dared to dream about the journey this horse might take you on? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I haven't had time to stop, you know. <laughs> It's still, you know, I have one son calling me, telling me he's making plane reservations to go to the Derby. And I'm like, don't jinx us. Don't do this yet. You know, have one more race, you know. Uh, Ricky Corville, their big family affair as Un Ojo heads on the Kentucky Derby trial. And you can just imagine he will be taking the lion's share of the headlines if he makes it there first Saturday in May. Now it's time to go around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherby's. We don't go too far today. We go to Norton, just outside the big trading centre of Moulton in North Yorkshire, and a stud which has huge importance to the local community, Norton Grove Stud, which has been standing stallions, and many of them, since 1959. Jess Lingwood is going to talk to me from Norton Grove Stud. And and Jess, it's a very interesting story how your family came to to acquire the stud. Yes, yeah, Major Hudson. Um, who my granddad worked for and understood. Major ran the stud for quite a good few years, um, sadly passed away in 1995, left the stud to my grandparents, who run it now, um, alongside me, my mum, my sister, my brother-in-law, my uncle. Um, so it's quite a family-run business. And was there any doubt that this is what you wanted to do, Jess? <laughs> to be honest, I actually trained to be a hairdresser and a barber and a beautician. <laughs> my granddad tried to keep us out of it when I was younger. Um, didn't really want us in horses. I think he was just trying to look after us. Um, and to be honest, that probably pushed me more into it than out of it. Um, so as soon as I had my little ones, it was the time when it worked around my children. So I kind of dived even deeper into it more than anything. Um in the past few years, with my granddad getting older, he's a grand old age of 78 in a couple of weeks, so he's doing very well for what he does. Um, he sort of gave me a bit more of the reins, so nowadays I get to handle the stallions every day. Um, I hold the mare's recovery, which is a big job. Um, just generally running the stud, the yard, and looking after the staff and the horses. 
and I get to do the new market trips to the sales as well, which I absolutely adore. So. And you really seem to have kind of got quite a, a real niche in the in the community. What do you think your your big selling point is? Um, we are very close knitted to our clients around us, and we probably best way is we like to be individual to each horse. We try and look after their specific needs because we're not such a massive yard and we can tailor to that personal horse its needs and give it the best of care we can. Um, We have some lovely owners around us that provide us with mares every year and we do get the occasional white maidens that maybe don't want to take the full so well so we can give that our absolute attention to help it take its full. Um, and same with the stallions. We we was only have a small amount of stallions. We're not massive, big breeding hundreds of mares every year for one stallion. We've got a set amount that we have, and so they get our utmost attention. You've had some some fantastic horses stand at the stud. You mentioned the Derby winner Morstan was probably the best racehorse that that you stud. Uh, but there've been stallions recently who've done very well. Monsieur Bond probably being the the best of them you you lost him in late 2019 how important was he for 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 raising Norton Grove's profile he was an absolute brilliant stallion he was a gem to look after you couldn't have asked for a nicer animal and just as he came to us he had his best year um he had moving time under Pretty Abbey um and that year we covered 113 mares with him so he had a booming crop that year um and we fold I think we fought 98 that year as well. So it was our biggest year for foaling. Um, so, yeah, he's bred, bred some lovely horses. He's a gilt-edged girl, um, Ladies of Forever, who fits. Bond's girl won the um, Doncaster two-year-old race. So there have been, been some lovely ones that we've had. We're lucky enough to keep foaling the Bond bears themselves that currently have got Ladies of Forever on the yard with a foal at foot. Um, we've just fold one of Bond Corporation's falls this morning actually, um, they've had a little fold bar, which is out of the mare called to Betsy which was the mum of um, moving time actually So, Yeah, very very modestly Jess you just um, told us you fold a half to a to a group one winner this morning uh, and I know you're multitasking because you've been you've been shooing forever now as well who's an interesting stallion there's not many people who can stand a son of Galileo for a grand but that that's what you're doing tell me a bit more about him yes I have he's, he's an absolute lovely horse we've got a good nice few horses by him on the yard at the minute um, we've got a two year old my granddad has decided to keep for himself because um, he's very fond of him and he's going to run him in a bumper in a couple of years he, he stamps some good, strong, reasonable sized horses, and they are correct as well, which is a really good thing to see. Um, and he puts such a placid nature in them too. It's nice; they're easy to handle, and just generally lovely horses. Yeah, he hopefully will have a few runners this year. Um, I know from talking to a few people we've bred in the past couple of years they just needed more time they were sort of more three year olds up um, so hopefully we'll see some on the track and he'll prove he's a good stallion well fingers crossed I suppose if there's a commercial stallion that you're standing now who could be the heir to 
to Monsieur Bond and Pastoral Pursuits, who you also used to stand. It's it's Pearl Secrets. Uh, he had 10 winners from 30, 31 runners in, in 2021. How hopeful are you that he can kick on from there and become a real commercial money spinner for you? Um, we're hoping big things of him, really. Yeah, he's got some nice offspring that I've won this year. Um, there's a designer, which won its... A decent race for him. Um, little Miss Sunshine, Fornaby Pearl, both seem to prove themselves to be very useful. So hopefully they train on. And Marmello, everyone will remember, wonderful horse for Huey Morrison. What are you trying to do with him? Are you trying to make him a national hunt stallion, or are you trying to breed flat horses, or is your kind of feeling that you can you can breed just about anything if you if you open your mind up? We kind of put him as a dual purpose. He's advertised for both flat and national hunt. Um, we have been more targeting national hunt and point-to-pointers because um, there is a lot around our area like that. But I think he would do a bit above, really. He's a really nice animal. Um, he's big. He stands over good and tall and strong when you lead him. He makes me look like a little dwarf because um, I would be small. But he's such a kind nature and just a really good looking athlete of a horse when you see him walk he covers ground so well he does and up to now i've seen a few of his yearlings from people sending us pictures and they look nice horses and we got some sent over from france from another and they're nice compact strong looking good chested and good behinds on them so hopefully we've had one in mare covered already this season so far with fingers crossed that she's in full and it keeps going that way well, thanks to Jess and to Ricky and, of course, earlier in the show to Dan Skelton. Cornelius is still with me. And, Cornelius, in a moment, you're going to have a tip for us. But I just thought worth um, a nod to trainer John Berry, Newmarket trainer John Berry, who, who likes to do his own thing. And he's done something, I think, um, rather nice in the last couple of days. Yeah, striking. The, the, the Berry family colours. Um, and uh, John's dad was Claude Berry, who's a well-known amateur rider and uh, an owner of and breeder and his mum was Caroline, a well-known owner and breeder as well. Their colours uh, were pretty much identical uh, to the Ukraine colours, light blue and yellow. And uh, as uh, John, I know, feels very strongly about the reaction of sport generally uh, to the crisis in uh, Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, indeed. So he had a runner called Turner Phrase running at uh, Wolverhampton on Monday night, and uh, it, they changed the colours for this to use the Berry family colours uh, as a nod uh, to uh, and as a as a, a, a sort of support to the Ukrainian people. So uh, it was fame at Manaman that rode Turner Phrase in those colours at uh, Wolverhampton. Uh, ran well, travelled well during the race. Turner Phrase. It ended up uh, being a clear winner. And it was the all-weather, so unsurprisingly, it was David Probert riding Jenny Wren to a clear winner. But there was actually a five-way photo for second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And there were two dead heats in that. Uh, a dead heat uh, for, I think, the second place, and indeed for the fourth place. And it was turn of phrase, which dead heated for fourth. So uh, that uh, didn't work out in quite the fairy tale way. It might have done, but a good battling performance uh, from turn of phrase uh, and a, a good gesture from uh, John Berry as well. And just while we're giving other little bits of news, I, I just wanted to mention a, a long-term uh, racecourse judge, um, Sandra Arkwright formerly Sandra Williams, who's died at the age of 76. Uh, she was a, a much-loved, very popular figure on racecourses, married to the former Cheltenham clerk of the course, Philip Arkwright. And 
And sadly, she's died at the age of 76 after a, a long and brave struggle against cancer. Cornelius, thank you. Do you have some advice for us for today? I thought I'd take you to Catrick. And if you've never been, I can. Uh, it's good fun. Good fun day at Catrick. So I can take you to Catrick in terms of the 240 race, the racing TV maiden hurdle race. Trainer Oliver Greenall um, had a decent run during the summer, been a bit quieter in recent months. But there's evidence of a change of fortune. Uh, winner at Hereford on Sunday, some placed horses as well. And in that 240 race, number six, uh, Monte Igaldo has uh, shaped up pretty well, blundered his chance away late on at Bangor last time. Better can be expected. Craig Nickel riding. Uh, so that's number six in the 240 at Catrick. All right, Cornelius, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Tuesday, March the 1st. Back to do it all again tomorrow. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.